All right, everybody, welcome to the 263rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling here live and direct. Man, that week break from doing a podcast was kind of rejuvenating. It was. How how was your holiday? What did you do? How was the family time? Do anything special? Um, what was your favorite gift that, that you uh, gave or received? It was cool. I uh, got boosted, so that took two days out of the uh, time with the family, which probably was a good thing because I think I stayed a little too long. But my favorite gift was one my mom got me. Um, My uh, grandfather has many jade bracelets, but my mom gave me one of his old ones. Uh, It's like this really deep, dark green jade bracelet which is too uh, too small for my big-ass hand. And so she's getting it re-roped and having one extra bead on there. But having a uh, jade bracelet that my grandfather wore is probably my number one. And then uh, you gave me the uh, Columbia uh, special gold ticket. So I purchased uh, coats and stuff for my entire family. So I was, I was a good boy. Um, I even got one for myself, so... It was, it was, a, I did well on Christmas, so it was a uh, very fun. Best thing you ate. I know you're a vegetarian, so this might be triggering, but my mom made this roast and it was perfectly and mom, you might listen to this. You might not, but mom, it was perfectly seasoned. I, it was a, this prime, prime rib and oh. It was so damn good, so well seasoned, and the fat and the the gravy that we made from the the meat that we made. Uh, oh shit, what's the uh, Quebecian uh, fry dish? Poutine. We made poutine off the leftover parts of the meat and a bunch of potatoes. So that 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 meat <laughs> that beef was was fantastic. So that was easily the number one thing I ate. Yeah, the, I think that the break was much needed, necessary. I mean, there, there. To be honest, there's only so many ways we can regurgitate what's happening with this season. It's been basically the same story, just in different uh, narratives, uh, but all ending up in, in the same ending. So it was nice to have the break. Um, I went and got tested Wednesday, the twenty second before because we had my parents came in on Thursday and then her parents came in on Christmas and so I wanted to make sure I was getting tested like with the new variant the symptoms are so similar to a regular cold or the flu that you wake up with a runny nose you're like oh shit do I have it and so like I had minor symptoms um but I it was weird because I was telling my boss in in our one-on-one interviews over um over videos like but I, I have an ex, a reasonable explanation for every one of these symptoms. So like, am I being crazy or am I being cautious? So I, I erred on the side of caution, uh, especially given the rise and the surge of the variants. And so thankfully the rapid test was negative. I got my PCR results later on like four or five days. Those were negative as well. 
Um, and so we had a really nice Christmas with the family, um, got my parents hooked on. So this is my favorite ho- holiday drink. It's an eggnog white Russian. So you get your big old whiskey cubes. You do one part vodka. I like to do half a part Kahlua just because it's really strong. And I do one and a half parts eggnog. And so dairy has its... <laughs> We're talking about poop again. <laughs> I fight my battles with dairy. So sometimes I do like a non-dairy nog and that will work. But there's a, there's a, it's called digestible dairy. And it's from this like farm. I think we got it at new seasons, but like Olga doesn't really deal with eggnog that much. She loved it. I thought it was the best eggnog I've ever had. And so I made that together. Yes. You get a stick, you stir it up then you put some eggnog on top. And so my parents were knocking those back. I was having some, it was, uh, that was, that was really fun to have, um, you know, we, we ordered out from the Sudra, which is, which is Indian and then Shalom y'all, which is, uh, Israeli on new year's. And so like, I got a question for you about Shalom y'all. What's up. Do you think that their portion size is appropriate for a growing boy in his thirties? Yeah. Olga and I ordered uh, a bunch uh, of food and it just lasted us three full dinners. God damn that I'm ordered the wrong thing. Cause I was I was, uh, I got my food and I was like, this seems like this isn't enough. <laughs> you got to know. So the trick is you have to mix and match sides and entrees. So you always have a little bit left over. So, you know, we had leftover pita. We got, I also, I got a falafel pita. We got extra pita. We got extra falafel. You get two hummuses. Those last, there was another mushroom potato dish that was fantastic i think from the sudra we ordered so much food they threw in some samosas uh extra which was awesome um so, so yeah, how we, was the rice at uh the indian place that you went it was awesome everything in that place was so i was telling you there was a <laughs> of side course i'm gonna ask about the rice was it basmati longer grain i don't know it's just good it's just rice it wasn't white rice no it was rice is different I understand that, but the rice wasn't my favorite. I know rice is your favorite food, but it wasn't my favorite part. Uh, I was, we were looking, but they have on the menu, like as a side, and I was like, what, what is this? And they said, basically said it was just like a um, a wing. I mean, it's a vegan restaurant. I was like, okay, like I'll try. It was like seven bucks, you get three of them. Like if they suck, whatever. Bro, they used bamboo for the bone and the sauce that they put them in. It, better than even when I ate meat, the the best wing ever. Um, it was fantastic. Uh, Olga was skeptical; she loved it. So we ate good. I packed on a couple lbs, so we got to get those those walks back going on now that the holidays are over. But um, really good eats over the weekend. I think my favorite gift I gave um, Olga was I commissioned an artist that we have some like wallpaper of theirs. They've done some mugs and for um, other, I think larger retail stores, but I found her specific website and I had paintings commissioned of our cats. And so oh, that's awesome. that was really cool. Um, we're looking to get frames for those and hanging them up. And then my favorite gift that I got, um, if you can see, I'm wearing the wet bandits tee. So I got the home alone Lego and that took two solid days, Christmas and Christmas Eve it was so fun putting it together. She had Christmas movies on the background. Um, it's right next to me right now. Uh, it was one of the, the best things. Like I, I just so fun, like the perfect gift um, from Olga. So 
it, it was really good holiday. So I know some people out there had, had a rough holiday. I know some people had a great holiday. Um, you know, as long as we, 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 we end up on the other side and we made, made, made it through, um, now it's just like post holiday. Okay. Now we got to get back into our routines and here we are Sage, uh, for the first time in 2022, which is crazy to think, but it is still NBA season. It feels like it's been going on much longer than it has with everything that has been going on with the NBA, but the Trailblazers right now are 13 and 22 in the Western Conference, 12th in the conference, and their week that was, it was not pretty, Sage. Four losses by an average of 19.3 points, which included a loss to the Pelicans in New Orleans on the 21st, 111 to 97. Portland then came home and got blistered to uh, the Dallas Mavericks by 15 points, the Utah Jazz by 15, again, without Donovan Mitchell. Dallas did not have Luka Doncic either. And then LeBron had himself a post-birthday party in the City of Angels as the Lakers cruised 139-106 to 106 on New Year's Eve. Sage, it has been rough out here in Rip City. But as you know, we like to start the show off with our good, the bad, and the ugly. So if you have a good... Kick it off. Oh, God. Um, I mean, the last two weeks has been nothing but losing in COVID. So I don't particularly. I guess Ben McLemore having some really good games with Ben McLemore. He doesn't take difficult shots. So it's really sustainable. Like. Like he takes good shots. He pushes pace. I know it's tough to talk about a guy who's at best when you're fully healthy the fifth guard but when he's in he does the right thing and i think he should take all of tony snell's minutes because when you're when you're struggling so hard defensively and offensively you need somebody who's not afraid of shooting the ball and ben mclemore can shoot the ball yeah i mean it it is tough searching for a good in, in this season and you look at ben mclemore uh, I think that, you know, he obviously entered the health and safety protocols, which has thrown his, I think, rhythm, um, just thrown it all out of whack. But he he has, he can, he's like Portland's version of the microwave. Like he scored 28 points against the Hornets. He had 28 against the Lakers. But you look at those two games sandwiched in between, you have a goose egg against Memphis and then six points against the Pelicans. So, you know, there's a reason why Portland was able to get him for a minimum contract but I, I still think there is for a minimum contract player what you want is you want a specialist and I think that's what Carmelo Anthony gave Portland last year obviously on a more consistent level but that's what you're looking for somebody who is not going to dominate the basketball who's going to space the floor and more times than not they're going to knock down shots so I, he is still fairly young like he's going to be 29 yeah, on CJ's the, age isn't no yeah, he's, younger on, than he's a little bit younger than CJ he's going to be 29 on February 11th. So just in about a month here. So he still fits whatever timeline you want to go off of. I don't think he's going to command a high dollar amount in, in the open market. It seems like he can be a potential backup shooting guard. Like, so I do think that is a, a solid find. The problem is Portland has a plethora of those guards. And you mentioned it. Another one of their free agent signings was Tony Snell, who they're pretty much an identical player. So you would have liked to have seen the, the skill sets and 
the archetypes of players signed this season be a little bit more uh, varying, but it is what it is. And this is the hand that the Portland has been dealt, but my good for the week. And this may trigger some people in, in either way, but I think it's actually that Portland is bad. I mean, we can find is, is the tank finally on in rip city. Portland is coming off of, one of the worst months I have ever remembered as a fan in my 32 years of fandom, two and 11 in December. Uh, They're currently sixth in the lottery standings, which gives them a 37.2% chance at a top four pick. They are pretty close at closing into getting even higher. The lottery has expanded a bit. So you don't just have to finish with the top spot. You can finish in the top four, we have, me specifically, I have asked, I have, I have pleaded, I have begged the Blazers to make a decision, go really good or really bad. They haven't done either, but by a product of the roster and the coronavirus and regular injuries and the coaching, et cetera, et cetera, the direction has kind of been chosen for Portland. And now I think you're starting to see a lot of fans kind of get on board with the idea that, you know, this season really just isn't it. And that's kind of where I want to go for my good, because in the NBA, there's three directions you can go. You can be an elite uh, championship contender. Clearly you want to be in in that tier. You could be a middle of the road team where maybe you make the playoffs, you're fighting for the play-in, but there's really no reward. Your reward is probably getting swept or getting a, a mid to late, lottery pick or you could be in the in the cellar that that wine cellar but you do get a reward for that you get a good chance at a top flight prospect that can really help revitalize your franchise and just inject it with some enthusiasm you know i I can't remember the amount of people i'm I'm just seeing on twitter on forums that are saying i'm not even watching the game Mm -hmm. Uh, god why did the blazers have to play tonight like I think interest in the team is really the lowest I've seen it maybe since that that shortened 11-12 year with the lockout when it was really LaMarcus and you got Wes and Nick, but really wasn't a whole lot. There's a lot of vets in there that caused a lot of turmoil. So I think Portland is at that stage where, okay, we're tuning on to the game, but we don't know who's playing due to the coronavirus. We don't have a lot of young talent, so – if Dame's not going off for 50, what's do you really want to win to sacrifice a shot at a great prospect? And I know, and I'm not going to tell anybody how to be a fan. Everybody is a fan in a different way. Everybody watches for a different reason. But for me, when I take a long-term approach at this franchise, I can tell you right now, I don't think there is a, a really good light at the end of the tunnel if they start to string together some wins. So my question is to you, what is the easiest way of team building if you're <clears throat> a mid-tier or below quality of team? Isn't it tanking and, and building through the draft? If you're not competing, isn't the most efficient way, especially when you're a small market team, to focus on developing players and drafting well? So the key thing you said there was small market team, and that's exactly what Portland is. Yeah, because New York is going to get players. LA is going to get players. Chicago is going to get players. Like, we're not the Lakers prior to LeBron. LeBron went to the Lakers 
just because they were in Los Angeles. And then they had some assets and basically forced New Orleans to take them to get Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. Portland's not in that scenario. Brooklyn made one of the worst trades of the century, yet because they are in the Big Apple, Mm -hmm. KD and Kyrie wanted to come. And then they had some assets where they forced Houston to give them James Harden. Portland isn't in that boat either. So you said the key word, Sage, small market. Every player of really any relevance in Portland's franchise history has been acquired through the draft. Yes, there are a couple of uh, notable exceptions, mostly Maurice Lucas or Rasheed Wallace. But for the most part, Portland drafts their talent and they try to grow them. And I know the argument out there is like, well, what about the Sacramento Kings or Minnesota Timberwolves? Aren't they perpetually (laughs) in the lottery? Yes, they are. But it's not just getting to the lottery and boom, you're going to get a Damian Lillard. You have to have talent in that front office. You have to have uh, talent evaluators. You have to have good scouting. You have to trust your gut. You have to look at a prospect and see how they're going to transfer over to a different, a completely different game in the National Basketball Association. So You know, I would argue Sacramento has been in a fantastic spot for the past 15, 16 years. They could have drafted Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard. They were one pick away from taking Damian Lillard. They have had so many chances at that franchise-changing prospect, just as Portland has had with Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, like Chris Paul. Portland's been in a situation. We could have tens of banners had we just made the right selection. So the key is getting that opportunity to even make that pick. And so I think building through the draft is the best way for a small market team. Now, when you say mid to low tier, again, it also depends on how mid tier you're thinking. Like, are you, I wouldn't consider the Detroit market desirable. So when that Pistons team, I, I think prior to Rasheed Wallace getting there, I think they were maybe a little bit better than mid, but they definitely weren't championship contenders. They were one piece away and they went out and got Rasheed Wallace to win that title. If you're telling me Portland, even at the market size was one piece away from even being a conference finalist, I say you go for it. You don't get conference finals appearances very often, especially in small markets. But we're starting to fall from one move to two to three, now about four moves away, like from even being in it's that conversation. Mul- it's a multiple year thing right yeah, now. And, yeah, you're right. It's not even a multiple move. It is a multiple year process. And so we have to we have to make up for the draft capital that's lost. We were mid-tier. We would not have a draft pick. It's a multiple year rebuild for the Blazers with multiple options and outcomes. So like yeah, we're we're not even close to being a player away. We're not we're not Thaddeus Young away from competing for anything except the tenth seed where we lose in the play-in. And is that really like? I would rather until the lottery is more until the draft is more fair. The the most sustainable way is using the intellect that you have in the front office to make a good pick. If Cronin's gonna be our guy. <laughs> Like this is going to be the first real big, like the, the trade deadline and the draft is going to be his big tests. So hopefully he studied for it because until something fundamentally changes about how to acquire players, this is the way for the Blazers to get that player to match with Damian Lillard. So before I get into your bad, you touched on a point that, that I thought was a, a really good seg. 
And you mentioned the trade deadline and Joe Cronin. The trade deadline is February 10th of this year. That's just 31 days away. And Portland plays 20 games in those 31 days. And who knows who's going to be available for those games, right? You know, with the health and safety protocols and the, the new variant surging through, through the league. So I have a question for you. At what point does Joe Cronin make a move over these 31 days? Or B, or and B, does he, like, at what point does he wait to determine the course of action? And the course of action would be like, okay, I'm going to improve the team. I'm going to reset. So, for example, if we go on a five-game losing streak, would that trigger the reset? If we go on a five-game winning streak, would he really start to believe in the team? And I think an example of that happening was right before the pandemic hit, the 1920 season, probably two years ago to, to the day, you know, Dame had that magical month of January to mm-hmm. remember where he had those string of 50 point games and, you know, Hassan was playing really well. And you're like, okay, this, this team might start living up to the hype. It didn't last. I mean, we, we all remember that, but there's a lot of think, like at, at what point does, does, does Cronin make a move or does something have to trigger for him to determine which way to go? And what, what would that be for you? I mean, I'm assuming we're assuming confidence from Cronin. We, yeah, at this point, that's the only thing keeping us afloat. I don't think he's going to think that this team is fundamentally going to change in a five-game winning streak with such um, a lack of talent and then such a top-end talent that's very similar. I don't think that that would change in these in the next five games. I think that he knows what he has to do with giving the team more dimension in skill sets. So I don't think a five-game win streak. I think what's really stopping a lot of forward momentum is our guys aren't healthy and a lot of teams aren't healthy. So, like, are you really going to trade COVID players right now? Or are you going to wait until their health and safety protocols are are uh, over and they can actually play basketball? There's, like, teams with nine guys on the COVID list. So it's, like, I, I think it's a bad time to try and make trades when – the variant is surging through the NBA right now. Yeah. And, and I, I still think Portland, I think it's going to be at the end of January, early February before Cronin makes a move. Portland still has four home games left and they go out on a six game road trip. If it gets ugly there, then I think it could be, you have to become really realistic where, okay, we're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs here, but for us to get to that spot, a lot of dominoes would have to fall in our favor. So that's going to kind of dictate which way we're going to go. So I would say after this six game road trip is when I would expect something or rumors or any sort of movement to occur and then kind of go from there. So Portland it's, it, it, it's going to, it's going to give us so much more information, this trade deadline for what Cronin is as a general manager, than what you and I can bullshit to, to the people that listen to this show. Like we don't know what this guy's mental fortitude and gut and balls are. So like this, them trading whoever or them getting whoever is going to tell us a lot of the direction and what he is as a general manager. Let's say we get top two. What is his, what is his mindset? We don't know. But having more information of like the trade deadline will help us be able to, you know, have a intelligent 
idea of what is about to happen an educated guess because right now it's like i don't know what is your bad for the week because the ugly is covid right clearly yeah but like um, i still have it i still have an ugly like covid is like the underlying ugly <laughs> playing damian lillard in a lot of minutes in when he's clearly returning from injury has to be the bad like he was playing I, I remember seeing your tweets he's playing like upwards of 40 minutes in games that don't matter like i remember watching the utah game when we we're down by 20 throughout the fourth quarter and he was in like until like the five minute mark of the game like that's irresponsible playing him that long and then i remember seeing on twitter i don't know if this is true or not but he's out this next game with uh with an injury probably the uh, the abdomen but playing him those outrageously long minutes in in a time where he's obviously recovering and playing much better than he had throughout the year is probably the bad. I, I know like people want to compete, but when you're down 20 and there's no way of coming back, playing him those extended minutes just seems so misguided. Yeah, that was actually my ugly for the week. So I'll, I will add on to what you had there. Um, currently Damian is seventh in the league in minutes per game overall at 37.4. Uh, my issue has been the number, the minutes per game have been, uh, the trajectory has increased month over month. So you go back to October, there's been six games, 32.8 minutes. I think that is a perfect number for Dame at this point in his career. You want to pace him throughout the regular season. So I would say finally, that's even high to be complete yeah, so like you, with, with the skill sets that on our team. Let yeah. Anthony run. So you allow him to finally have some gas in the tank mm-hmm. in, in the springtime when it matters most for postseason basketball. Then it really started to uptick in November, 14 games up to 36.9 and then nine games in the month of December, 38 minutes per game. Sage, the other, I think it could be justified if Portland was winning, but they're not. We no. were two and seven in games he played in the month of December. Were there any competitive games? Five losses by 10 or more points. And those were all each of the last five defeats Portland has suffered. So they have been non-contests and Portland continues just to trot him out there for no reason at all. It um, would, it, let's just say we're taking the long-term approach on Anthony, even though he's he doesn't really have a contract for next year. Wouldn't it be more beneficial to give him those closing five-minute left-in-the-game runs instead of Damian Lillard? I remember the Oregon football team back when back when I was in college would run the same type of plays during the game. So those second guy, those second unit guys would get chances to play in a real game with five minutes left. Wouldn't that, and I know I'm talking football basketball, but wouldn't five the last five minutes of a game? be more beneficial to Ant with Nasir and two or three guys that probably don't deserve to, you know, have multi-year contracts. Wouldn't that be more beneficial for Ant and Nas rather than letting Dame control the ball for the last five minutes of a very meaningless game that could potentially get him hurt. Like he doesn't need run to finish games. He has a long history and a long, like, Top a bunch of top shot worthy plays of ending games. He doesn't need extra practice in that. Who does 
is our last two draft picks. Those two need it. Yeah, and I think a problem is the coronavirus has made it so we have so few players available that Dame really, it's hard for him to afford to take a a game off. But even when he is available to play, I think there should be a minutes cap. And I do like your suggestion of maybe it's not the last possession of the game, but can you run some sets specifically for Ant, for Nas? Like Dame can be on the floor, but it's almost like, hey, we want to see what these, these players can do with some real repetition i think the unfortunate part is i feel like if dame's in he's gonna run the show exactly and, and that's what you also have when you have an he's owner an who, alpha, like he's an alpha alpha player so the ownership like want want the w the, the coach always wants to win because it saves their job players don't want to I lose mean, so yeah, yeah it's 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 hard like unless you're able to get a big lead and then let ant run the show I don't really foresee a scenario where games on the line and Dame's like, Ant, you go ahead and do it. Like, I remember one time, it, I think it was like the Philadelphia game in the 1920 years. season. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was when one of those uh, pictures behind me happened where Dame, yep, Dame like, drove, kicked it to kicked. Ant, corner three, almost won the game. Unfortunately, we decided not to defend Furkan Korkmaz and he hit the game winning three, but. I would like to see but that. Uh, that's yeah. that, that's a bad thing. That's like me re- talking with Pelicans fans about the one time Zion got a rebound outside of his area. Like it happened once, and we're still talking about it. There's a there's a problem with that. That it's only happened a few times, and it's so memorable. I think it's also important that you give Anthony as much run as possible, but instruct him to work on things that he normally wouldn't do. And by that, I mean, Anthony loves the pull-up three. He loves settling for jump shots. I would put the onus on him to get to the bucket, get to the foul line, finish in traffic, uh, play make for others, um, make make the extra pass, like things that we're waiting for him to do. And I think what he's able to show over the next month and a half will play a big role in whether or not Portland keeps him at the deadline. Uh, because he will be a restricted free agent. All right, so that was your bad, my ugly, uh, my bad. For I have, I have two bads, um, a bad and a bad junior. Um, the bad for me is these 10-day contracts that Portland's bringing in, and I understand there's not uh, a lot to pick from because a lot of other teams are having to go the, the 10-day route, but – we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Portland has no size. Nurk and Cody Zeller, really the only two rotational players over 6'8". Zeller's been out for two to three weeks, and Nurk's been unavailable. Why are you bringing in players, Cam McGriff, 6'7", Jaron Cumberland, 6'5", Reggie Perry, 6'8", Brandon Williams, 6'2". Portland needs size. Bismack Biombo was just signed. I know he's not the answer. He's probably not going to help you win a game but he can give Larry Nance Jr. a fucking break. Mm-hmm. Like it's, Aaron it's, Baines. Yes. It, so if this is Joe Cronin, like that's already strike one. Like what the fuck are you doing? Um, I, I know there's not mm. a huge, huge group of players to, to pull from, but shit, I would have taken Harry Giles, Rondé Hollis. Like 
I, I just don't know why they are so opposed to guys that have size that can help out your undersized team already. That just baffles or, me beyond belief. Or instead of, I, I, I kind of get what Baines and Bismack weren't signed. So if you're, uh, if you had less than one year of service, you the the player gets paid like forty k, but if you've had ten years of ser- of service or more, it's three hundred thousand dollars. So they're being cheap bastards. What they're doing, yeah. But there, I'm sure that in the G League, there's some bouncy ass center that can spell Larry Nance for Jordan Bell is available. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's it's just that 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 was my my bad. I, I thought that was horrendous. When those players Boston, were, with that, Boston must have been so just happy with spending money with Joe Johnson's 10-day contract. <laughs> I mean, at least that's a, a ticket draw to go see ISO Joe. He won him a game, too. So, um, And there might have been a chance that he could help. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, my bad junior, and I think this is for really every fan out there because – especially in, in the January, February months, there's, there's really not a lot going on. You're coming down from, from the holiday high and it's like, it's winter. And for me, if it's not snowing, it's like, what's, what's the point? So blazer games traditionally get me through the winter. It's like, there's a game on. All right. Fantastic. But, but this year it's like, what the hell is there to watch for? Like, first of all, even if with the opponent, the COVID protocols, Every night, each team is severely disadvantaged. You're seeing major stars in and out of the rotation. There's not a lot of continuity. It's not good basketball. Then you have Portland's injuries. You know, CJ McCollum, um, he's banged up. Dame's banged up. Cody Zeller's banged up. And then Portland, obviously, because of reasons we've discussed, has no hasn't had a draft pick since 2019. We do not have a lot of young talent. So there's what got me through those really lean years of, you know, the middle part of the 2000s when it was Steve Blake and Juan Dixon starting. Well, you had Sergey Monia, Victor Kriapa, Sebastian Telfair, Martel Webster, like, and then you got to the Brandons and the LaMarcuses, and then you start, okay, we started to build something. We don't really have that. And as much as I love, you know, Nasir Little, that's, you know, that's, uh, he's, he's probably going to be, I think, a starter. Like, I think right now, unless he really hits another gear, you're looking at a starter. I don't think Portland has a superstar or even a star young young talent. Like, this is year four, and we're still questioning, you know, Anthony, what are you going to do? Like, he started out hot, and then he kind of hit that wall again. So, like, there's not – yeah, there's just not a lot to watch for. And it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a bummer. So, that that that's my, my bad junior. Um, do you have an ugly, or was it just coronavirus? I, uh, what do you think Ant's player comp for his 99th percentile outcome? A 6'4 bouncy guard with range. Jordan Clarkson? No, 99th percentile? I mean, you're really saying he's going to like... Okay, yeah. Well, okay, 75th, is Jordan Clarkson his 75th percentile outcome? 80, 85. Okay, what's his 99th? You know what? I'm a Kevin Johnson with range. I like him. Kevin Johnson was before crazy. he lifted up that big man to, and fucked up his back for the rest of his career. Yeah. 
a little a little taller version of, of KJ. Like could definitely I mean everyone remembers that dunk over Lajuan in the playoffs, so he could get up. Um he was more of a mid-range master, but I would say, I would say a little bit taller Kevin Johnson with, with more range. Like they both that. had pr- pretty good vision. Um, but again, that that's the 99th percentile. Yeah. Uh do you have a a ugly? I mean, it has to be COVID. I mean, mine, mine, I already discussed was the too many minutes for Lillard. Um, so Sage, let's get into what has been going on for, for this season. I, I think the reason right now, my good was that the team was losing is because I think for a lot of fans that there was hope at the end of November. Starting on the 30th of November, Portland had a stretch, which they are currently in, where 15 of the next 19 games were at home. Now, at the time, Portland was 10-1 and at home, so a lot of fans thought the Blazers could really make hay, get wins hand over fist, and really make a strong push up into that Western Conference playoff ladder. Unfortunately, the opposite has occurred. Uh, They're currently 3-11 and in that stretch. There are four games remaining. They're two and eight at home during that that stretch as well. So as I mentioned, once 10 and one, now they're just 11 and nine. Cortland has played only 15 road games. That is the second fewest in the league, only behind Toronto. Uh, In the Western Conference, it is the fewest, along with the Clippers. Both have only played 15 road games. So now there's 26 road games remaining. What do you think has been the cause of the home court, I think, disadvantage? Because, yes, COVID came on later on in the month, but they were still dropping games early on. Like, you know, they had those comebacks against uh, Toronto and and Chicago. But once they beat Detroit to start that stretch, it it really went downhill in a hurry. I think it started with the, the San Antonio and Boston games where they just got smacked. And that's when Neil O'Shea was fired. And it just seems like there was a turning point. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the the law of averages starting to average out. But they have not felt or looked right at home since. Now that you mentioned it was the San Antonio and Boston game, that, that it kind of really went off the rails. I remember this pretty clearly. San Antonio was just beating us on every effort play. Like you got DeJounte Murray, you got all of these guys that are hungry, trying to either show that they belong in the league or prove that they still, you know, can handle it. And then they just beat us in every aspect of hustle. And I don't think I've seen any game where through the out the 48, I have seen us have any level of effort outside of like first first read defensively we'll put in the effort and then collapse completely so i I, maybe it's like the cohesion thing of not being like players not getting along with the coach or you know injuries or covid affecting it but the effort the lack of effort this last month has been really bad for this team I honestly, like, I know in the next few weeks we play some really gimme teams, but other than those gimmies, I don't think we're going to win very much unless we change the effort and start playing with some sort of, like, 
ability to use that second and third effort. I don't want to say that they're dogging it, but they are not putting in their full 100% effort. Do you think it's a team that just knows they're not good enough? And they're like, why even try in these other games? I feel like these NBA athletes have a different mentality than you and I, but I can't guarantee it. So maybe, maybe you're right, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't think that Damian Lillard has that mentality about this team. So maybe it just kind but, of reminds me of the Rockets right up until James Harden, Harden got traded. finally asked out, you mm-hmm. know, they weren't performing well. They added Christian Wood, like, it took it was back when the NBA was doing they still are, but it was the back-to-back home games and the Lakers handled them with ease and Harden went to the podium and was like, We're not good enough. And that cloud of Harden requesting out, I think it has to impact the players. And I know Dame hasn't requested out, but he's been as long with Ben Simmons, he has been the NBA media story. Mm-hmm. Is Dame out? Does he want out? He should go out. There's where there's where he should go. The top 10 but, places he should go. I I, I do think that has an impact on the team. Like I think that has, has a way of rallying the team or kind of tearing them down. And I I do think like when you have an already flawed roster, I think it kind of went, you know, turned for the worse. And so is it plateauing or is it straight free falling now? I mean, I think we'll see in these next uh, 10 games, right. You know, where, they may not play for how many games CJ's still out that it's, it's Ant and Norman, right? Yeah. And then you Wait, go is, the Ant, is Ant on uh health and safety or did he return from health and safety? Casey Holdall said um, presumably Rocco Ant, Watford and Blevins have exited health and safety protocols. That was four hours ago. It hasn't been official, but I would assume those players are back but you don't know how long they can play like there's guys like Bradley Beal that played and played 40 minutes and then there's guys that can't get 16 yeah like like that conditioning it's so it's all individualized so there might be you know trying to watch for play 40 where Ant can play 15 and he is exhausted yeah it's 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 a strange year and I think before the variant hit we even at full strength, Portland wasn't getting it done. So, um, how full strength were we against New Orleans? Well, let me pull up that box score. I mean, I just I just can't remember off the top of my head because so many players. So are many players. Like, yeah. No, so our starting enough. our starting lineup was pretty similar. I mean, it, for COVID times, it's not bad. You had Dame, Norm, Nurk, Nance, and Snell with Rocco and Ant and B Mac off off the bench. Yeah, they ate deep. So pretty decent. I mean, really, you're you're missing Zeller, obviously, and uh, Nasir Little, but I mean, Larry Nance probably can de- defend Willie Herman Gomez. But I mean, they still got smacked by 14 against the Pelicans without without Zion Williamson. Yeah, I remember Nikhil Alexander Walker absolutely destroying shit. And then the moment after that game. Uh, someone tweeted out that no, Nikhil had COVID, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, here it comes!" Because here, at that point, it. Portland didn't mm-hmm. have the COVID. Um, Nasir was out for a non-COVID illness, and Cody Zeller had the, uh, I think, the kneecap mm-hmm. issue. So, I as soon as I saw that Nikhil, ha- I was like, okay, here oh, it comes from Portland, mm-hmm. and it, it's been a, a free, 
uh, a free fall uh, spiral ever since. Um, and Portland's doing this with Chauncey Billups in the protocols. Now Scott Brooks is in the protocols and Chauncey Billups is coming back. So you're hearing different voices, still getting different schemes and philosophies. It, it's really been uh, a clusterfuck, to put it pr- pretty bluntly. Um, one player I wanted to talk to you about, Sage, and I know he's the, the apple of your eye. Herb Jones? For the Blazers. <laughs> so Norman Powell has had a, a, a major increase in playing time and, and role usage. with, yeah. with CJ McCollum being injured. So in those 11 games that CJ has been out, Norm's putting up 21 and a half, shooting 47 from the field, 35 from three, getting you about three assists and three rebounds in about 39 minutes. Those numbers aren't bad, but I, I don't think he's blowing me away either. I, maybe because when you look at what he was doing prior in still a, a large role, but in that third guard, he was shooting the ball better in November. Still a large sample size, 11 games for the sample size in December, 14 for November. So he was shooting 52% from the field in November. That's 5% higher in, in, the, in the limited role. from three, so 11% higher from three, doing that in about eight to nine minutes fewer. So is Norman Powell, and again, this isn't like Norm sucks or Norm's great. This is more like, can Norman Powell be a player? Because I know a lot of fans, including myself, said, yeah, we can just slide Norman to the two if we move CJ and any other deal. But is Norm better suited for that 30-minute per game role where he can be more efficient or do you think these 11 games are just maybe uh, an aberration and that, that the coronavirus does play a role in who he's playing with, the competition, mm-hmm. and the numbers maybe might not reflect how good he could be if he was scaled up to that 38-minute-per-game player, high usage, taking 15 attempts rather than 12, taking seven attempts from three rather than four. Like, what do you think there? Because the numbers – haven't blown me away, but I, I do agree that there have been some outside factors that could play into that role. So before I answer this, I want to look at something. Do you know the exact date CJ McCollum went out? The last game that CJ McCollum played, I believe. It wasn't December. Yes, it was um, December 4th against the Boston Celtics was the last game CJ McCollum played. So what I'm looking up is who he has spent the most time with on the court in those 426 minutes. So he's played most of his minutes with Dame, except those times where Dame was out. One thing that I've noticed is he has been shooting awfully. He has been awful from three. I don't trust that they go in, but when you look at who he's been on the team with, like if I if I uh, simplify it even more, like Cody Zeller off, Snell, Covington, it turns into it's just Norman and Damian playing together with a bunch of replaceable players. So teams with minimal sag, size. Yeah. So teams can sag off of Tony Snell and Nasir and the center, whoever's playing center, and just focus on those two. So the quality of shot has gone down. And if this was a regular year with COVID not being a big issue, 
I think that we could repl- like we could trust that Norman's going to take much better shots. But it's been such a congested court with teams not respecting anybody. Like I remember the Lakers game, and I texted you this: they don't respect a single player outside of Damian and Norm because they're not even like they don't care if they back cut you. Then that is not going to beat the Lakers when when LeBron is getting to the paint anytime he wants because we don't have size and we don't have people that are really like fighting for those defensive like point of attack minutes. So I, I will say that right now Norman Powell is playing pretty shitty to his standards and the standards that I think he expects from himself. Like you've seen games where he gets frustrated by missing a shot and just tearing his jersey out of frustration. But he's been shooting really bad. But those outside circumstances of not getting any shooters around you to respect you. So when you're driving, you're going into four guys like it's 1990. Like I I get why his numbers are down, but I I think if there was better player, like if it was actual NBA players that he's playing most of his minutes with, like when when you when you take all those guys that are dealing with COVID out, it it he's played most of his minutes with with Dame. He's played 40 minutes with Dame. 46 with Larry Nasir gets sagged off on. He's played 24 minutes with CJ Ellerby, Reggie Perry. Like these players don't scare NBA defenses. Like I know Nas has potential, but he's shooting so bad and no one respects him. So the spacing is just all off with this team with what it is during COVID and injuries that I think if you put them in a position with, a guy that can shoot in the wings and like it's properly spaced for this era. I think a lot of those problems will go away, but right now he's taking like bad shots because they have to. So again, this is a really bad sample size and a really bad like time for him to get full-time run. But I remember like the first few games when it was just CJ out, he was in that role and, like playing really well, but now it's just like Cameron McGruff. That sounds like a DIT posse cut rapper, not not a fucking NBA basketball. When player. they signed McGriff, I was like, Fred McGriff, the crime dog, came back. Like, I mean, for all, that, that's a uh, an Atlanta Brave first baseman, early '90s reference there. That, oh, I, I was like, when I saw it, I was like, Herb McGruff. I'm on some murder stuff, and when I talk, every word is rough. I remember that Big L song. Like, come on. That's, we're playing with some created players in college right now, bro. Like no offense to them. Congratulations on getting money and yeah. achieving your dream. They're all replaceable players though. I, 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 I've never heard of a, a single one and I, I pay attention to the draft quite a bit. So like, I have like a hundred, hundred uh, prospect list in the last three years. And I don't remember who Brandon Williams is or Cameron McGruff. So like, when, when Reggie Perry has played 44 possessions with Norman Powell, he's been signed like three days. Like that, this is a very bad roster we're playing with right now. So I got like, I appreciate Norman Powell for shooting the damn ball. Cause there's players on this team that are absolutely frightened to do so. Sage, what do you, what, what is your Blazers new year's resolution? Watch more college basketball. Like, here's the deal, Doug. I watch so much basketball that, like, saying anything is, like, probably stay the same in terms of watching all the games is my, like, 
I don't want to, I don't want to stop watching games, but maybe like, I don't need to watch it during the scheduled time, but like, I don't know, probably stay the same in terms of trying to stay engaged. I mean, like I have tons of resolutions for, I meant for the team. Oh, I thought you meant for me. Well, shit. I thought you meant for me because I have plenty of resolutions for what I want to do with this 2022 year, but not like I want them to suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's the three R's rest, reset and reassess. So clearly the first R is rest. I, I would shut Dame down for the season, or at least say you're not playing in back-to-backs. You have a minute cap of 30 to 32 minutes. This is how it's going to be. Um, if you have any chance at building with Damian Lillard in the future, you have to limit how many minutes he puts on that body now. He has a lot of traction on those tires. He has gone balls to the wall for nine seasons, been very durable, played a lot of basketball, a lot of usage, a lot on his shoulders. Rest Dame. Like we, we've, it, it's okay. The second R is, is reset. And what I mean by that is you don't have to completely tear it down and rebuild this year if you don't want to. Resetting means let's be bad this year. It's okay to hit the reset button. But if you do want to make that big trade, you best believe you have to have a lottery pick or something to entice another franchise to get that piece that you're coveting. You know, you have to give to get, or you could also, and this goes along with the reassess, look at the landscape and say, you know what, maybe it is time to do rebuild. We've got this top, top two pick. Um, let, let's see what we can do and go in that direction. But I, I don't think you're able to reset and reassess without first getting that asset. And that, that that is going to be the key. I think if Portland were to string together some victories, make the play-in, make the seventh or eighth seed, and, and get swept and lose their pick to Chicago, I don't think they can recover from that in the Damian Lillard era. I just don't. I think you're going to be looking at playing out the string of his contract, similar type of, of results. And what I don't want to happen and why I have been somewhat of an advocate of moving Dane for a contender to a contender, excuse me, is I don't want Dane or I don't want the fans to sour on the relationship between player and team. And what I, what really kind of got me thinking about that was we had a question earlier on in the season. Somebody asked us, what was CJ McCollum's um, kind of his reputation? How would we remember him by in five oh, yeah. to 10 years? And we both said very favorably, because do you, do you think of the memories, the good times? And that's if he was moved now, what happens if he stays for two or three years and, and like we're going through another season like this, like those memories start to sour and they don't feel as sweet. And so I wouldn't want those good times to be, I think, you know, hindered in any such way because of what we're doing this year or, or next. I think, I think Drexler got out at the right time. Like we didn't have to, you know, continuously lose in the first round or not not do anything like Clyde got out, got his ring. Okay. Like that, that was good. You don't want to end up like 
you know, I think Kevin Garnett's, I don't think Kevin Garnett, like, yeah, he won an MVP, but he hung on for too long in Minnesota mm. and for no fault of his own. And now enough time has passed for like, okay, Kevin Garnett, Minnesota Timberwolves. I know he has some beef with, with Glenn Taylor, their owner, but in general, you get what I'm saying. There's still, still yeah. some fondness. I, I just wouldn't want that relationship to sour where all we remember from Damon CJ is, Oh, they just kept losing in the first round. Like, hmm. let's 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 reassess, and that that's where that that third R comes from. It's like, can we be honest with ourselves and say we're gonna win? We can do it. Or you know what? We gave it the college try and then some. It's been nine years with Dame, eight years of CJ. It's it, it, it's time we had our run. Let let's move forward in a new path. But again. If if you continuously say no, we're cool with with just middle to low tier of the pack. I think you're going to set the franchise back so far. I, I think the the fan interest is going to significantly deteriorate, and you're gonna it, Blazer Mania is going to take a while to to revive. And I, I think that that's that's a real concern of of mine. So that's why. I'm looking at the good in this year in being this bad because it's like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm excited at for the draft. Like, could we mm-hmm. actually get a top pick? Like, since B Roy was the last time, B Roy and Lamarcus the last time we picked in like the top four, top five. Like Dame was pick six. Like that was a steal. And we traded for him. Yeah, it wasn't our. It wasn't. It was, wasn't our pick. It was Brooklyn's in ineptitude. So we, you know. Think of think of that. Yes, I know Brandon had had injury concerns, but the next year we added Greg. Like the the pieces were there to become dominant. I, I, it doesn't always work out that way. You need some luck, but those were really fun times. And I know we've had fun times with with this current core, but not I right think, now. Let's yeah, this is not fun. Like, do we want to continue to doing this? Continue keep continue doing this. So. Um, that 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 would be that would be my 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 take on a New Year's resolution. Um, Sage, I have a fan question. Did you get any others? Yeah, yourself? Tara did. All right, I want you to go ahead. How do you feel about the Damian Lillard for All Star this season? Ooh, I mean, you I care I more feel- about this than me. You <laughs> this year, not as much, just because it's to be truthful, it's hard to care about the league as much as I did prior. And it's tough because it's like, I'm a big nostalgia buff. The fact that it's been 75 years, they've done the 75th anniversary team, seen a lot of the old photos and, you know, highlights and that takes me back. But this year with so many players out, especially with the protocols, it doesn't feel like the games really count. Like it's just, it doesn't feel super legitimate. So if whether Dame, I say makes it or, or doesn't wouldn't have as a a big of an impact on me five or six years ago when he got snubbed and then ended up on, you know, the second or third team for uh, all NBA, but it's going to be tough um, for, for Dame to, to make that, that all-star appearance. The, The numbers aren't super off from where he's, um, that that slump in the first month and a half. The probably. slump is what people are going to remember. And, you know, you're looking at a player who the previous two years, uh, 19, 20, 20, 21, 
was putting up 29, 30 points, eight, eight assists, you know, four rebounds, amazing performances, bubble MVP, um, just 55 point playoff performance. Like he was that dude. Dame really hasn't had too many vintage Dame performances this year. There haven't been the Dame winners as there were in the past. I mean, we remember the the crazy comeback last year against New Orleans, the the two threes in five seconds against Chicago. Like mm-hmm. Dame hasn't had that Dame time moment. Dame has been in the, the media for the wrong reasons, not any fault of his own, but because of, of trade discourse from outside sources. And when you look at who is going to make the, you know, they can only choose 12 players. Portland's sitting there at 12th. Um, that has to factor in something. Like, that has to factor in. Coaches always, always, always. I don't think he's getting the the fan vote. No, he's he, not getting the fan vote. He's he's going to. Steph's getting it for sure. And then I don't know, like, Booker or I mean, Donovan, that, that's, that's why it's, it's so tough because clearly Steph Curry's getting in from the Warriors. I think an argument could be made for Jordan Poole. You've got Paul, Booker, Mitchell, Morant. I mean, there's Luca probably always going to get the fan vote now. I mean, he's going to get the European vote. There's seven players right there, and that's not even counting LeBron, Paul George, uh, Jokic. There's 10 right there. Draymond. Draymond has to be in. That, that's 11. Do you reward Minnesota for being in the playoff hunt? Who Would it be Ant-Man? I, I wouldn't give it to Cat. Like. Anthony Davis won't get in. He's hurt. Kawhi's clearly hurt. Paul George is going to be hurt. Paul Do you George. think there's a chance that he sits out the entire year because he's going to get Tommy John? That's. I think it depends on when Kawhi's coming back. If if they if say, they continue well, to lose and like like there's a chance that he doesn't play. But like I don't know like. He might get it. He might get in, but doesn't actually participate because of the ab too. Yeah. I think Dame might get a wild card berth based upon reputation. Mm-hmm. Now that I, now that and the I top 75 it. thing too. Probably yeah. a factor. Yeah. Did we mention there, there, might, there might be one spot for Dame, but. And it might just be because people want to watch him in the, in the all-star game with, with Steph. Like he, he clearly is a top 12 player in the Western conference. Um, I think he's going to benefit from Anthony Davis being out, Zion Williamson not playing. Um, PG maybe. PG maybe. Uh, the Spurs don't really have anyone. The Kings don't. Kristaps Porzingis could maybe sneak no, in there. No, with how bad he was playing last year, that you know that narrative is still going to be that there. Nar- that he sucks. Yeah, so there's – it's tough. But, like, Denver really is doing it on the back uh, of Jokic. I know Jaws getting in there, but – They've played well with, without him, so he he might sneak in. If he does, it's going to be that that last spot. But if he continues to rest in the team, I I don't know. I I think there's a 70, 75, 25 that he doesn't make it. I mean, it, it, it's just that the slump, like teams like team success. Like if we were in the if we were in the top eight there's a much better chance that he's rewarded. But when we're next to Oklahoma City and New Orleans, is it really going to bet it? Like, they don't want to re- reward mediocrity or less than that. So if, if it was the NBA coaches, I think they would go with, like, teams that are actually good, like Booker or Paul and 
Ja and Donovan. They, those teams are winning basketball games. And Dame just hasn't been up to his standards. He's four and a half points lower per game. His his field goal percentage is 40%. That's the lowest in his career. His three-point percentage is 32%, lowest in his career by far. Uh, it's just he's been, whether it's the rule changes or his injury or the constant trade chatter, it has all impacted his his game and i, I think, you think it's the injury more so than the the rule changes um yes although early early on i do think the the rule changes oh yeah but what about now because like no, i think it's more often, injury than rule change yeah have you seen how often james harden's going to the line now oh james harden's numbers are back back to back to regular I, yeah I, I, th- I think the rule changes are dead now like it's if you're looking at how many times people are going to the line now, it, the, the rule changes are dead. Like players didn't like it. That, that shit, that shit might matter because Dame can't get to the fifth level and blow by players to got that to get the foul call. But like, if you're looking at James Harden, that shit's back to normal, man. Like Trey Young's gonna go to the line 18 times a game sometimes. Like it, it it's 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 really real uh, that they they're going back to last year's refing rules. All right, I have a fan question from Kim Thrasher. She wants to know, is it time to call it a season? I just don't see things improving, especially with everyone out. Besides, we have played like shit. It was she, the, poop, she's, emo- she's it was the poop emoji, but I'm going to say shit. And she says, love you guys. Love the question. Thank you for listening, Kim. We both love and appreciate you as well. I'll let you have the first crack. I have more of a long-winded take on this. She's she's on that uh, never say die. Like I know Kim Thrasher, she's on that never say die type of shit. So enjoy the small things. Enjoy watching Damian Lillard. Enjoy watching Ant and Seer Norman. Like I enjoy watching the players that give you joy. But if you're thinking about us being a competent team right now, it might be over. But enjoy the community, enjoy the players that you enjoy watching. Um, there's still stuff to be learned about this team and especially the management. But if you're looking for a playoff caliber team, you might want to look at Memphis or one of those fun teams. Yeah. Is it too late to call it a season? No. No, it, it's not. For for me, yes, but you got to think about who Kim Thrasher has. Kim Thrasher. No, I, is no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of this from from every vantage point, historical, current, what's happening. I put a lot of thought into my answer. So, right now, Portland is 13 and 22. Just to end up 500, Portland would have to finish 28 and 19, which sounds daunting. Again, 26 of those games would be on the road. They're already eight games back of Memphis for the fourth spot, and I really think that's what you should be charging for if you're going to make any sort of a charge is to get home court advantage. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to kind of claw to that sixth seed, maybe five, because four or five matchups have been uh, pretty competitive. But realistically, you have to be in the top four to really have a shot. I think you have to look at how the team has played, you know, recently and take that into consideration. 
this is the, the nature of what we're dealing with, with this Omicron variant. And the NBA hasn't adapted or adjusted. There haven't been tightened regulations. There haven't been mandates. Um, you're even seeing Toronto, uh, based upon their uh, local government, removing fans. So you just, it's such a wild, wild west in terms of the unknown of what the rest of the season is going to look like. Um, Portland just hasn't been competitive when dealing with these unknowns. Their last four losses, as, as I mentioned, by 19.3 points per game. With that said, turnarounds are possible. We, we have seen it with our own two eyes recently with this franchise. In the 15-16 season, Portland started out 15-24, and 24, just basically almost right where they're at now, nine games under 500. They ended the year 44 and 38, went 29 and 14 the rest of the way, defeated the Clippers in six games in round one, and gave the, the Warriors hell in five uh, in round two. That was the 2016 Warriors, by the way, that won 73 games. The following year, started slow out of the gates again, 23 and 33, ended the year 41 and 41, 500, just like we're talking about now. They went 18 and eight the rest of the way. That was really anchored by a trade that swapped Mason Plumley. Nurk Fever took over. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Portland was swept by Golden State. The next year, Portland, you know, 17-18. Hovering around 500, started 22-21. and 21. They blitzed the second half of that schedule, ended 49-33. and 33. They went 27-12 and 12 the rest of the way. They were the three seed. Dame finished uh, fourth in the MVP voting, was first team All-NBA swept by, by the Pelicans, but we have seen this team play well under Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum's leadership and tutelage pretty recently over the past five to six seasons. And it's happened multiple times. With that said, CJ McCollum is dealing with a collapsed lung that is going to take a while for him to get into game shape. Damian Lillard is dealing with this abdomen injury that is seemingly giving him hell each and every week. He is clearly not the same player. Portland does no longer have Terry Stotts. Um, Al Farouk Aminu is better than the power forwards that we have. We had size back then uh, with, with our backups, whether it was, you know, Ennis or Collins or, you know, Plumley was there. They had Ed Davis. Evan Turner was better than every bench player that we have now. It, so the teams were, I think, different in a lot of ways but what gives me a lot of pause in in saying yes there is still hope for the year is players are human and you have players like Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington who know they are unrestricted free agents they know they could get moved really at any point in time any point up until the deadline Mm -hmm. you have Anthony Simons who saw a franchise not offer him a contract extension so he's really playing for his you know second contract you have Larry Nance Jr., who is new, is now being asked to play center, and he's only got another year left on his deal. You have all of this noise surrounding Damian Lillard, whether he's he's you know going to stay or whether he should go. All of that tends to wear on a team, and you have and you have a rookie head coach, a rookie head coach who doesn't clearly have the team locked in. Um, you have players in and out with the coronavirus. So you're what Portland was able to do in those three seasons that I mentioned, 
they were able to get into a rhythm. They had chemistry built up. Those rosters were really so tightly wound and tightly knit from a construction base where you had players that were playing together for three or four or five years in a row. Right now, there's no continuity. It's Dame, CJ, and Nurk, and they've all been in and out of the lineup. There are a lot of new moving parts to this. You factor in a global pandemic, it's it's really difficult to foresee the Blazers making one of those runs where you're like, okay, that, that was worth it. So in that, ins- in, in that instance, I will say, yes, it is too late because of what we've seen. Um, if we would have seen Portland continue to be dominant at home, then you can say, okay, we can wait and see if they can pick mm. it up on the road. They haven't been able to. Um, they've lost to teams they had no business losing to. You can go back to that Philadelphia game where we were pretty much full strength and they were without four of their top five players. Yeah, Andre Drummond, I was triple-double uh, warning. <laughs> we're, we're getting, you know, out-hustled, as you mentioned in, in that San Antonio game. We're, we're losing to teams without their best players who are also dealing with coronavirus protocols and they're smacking us. So to your point, things aren't improving, you know, especially with everyone out. So I, I would say it is too late uh, from my point of view. Is it, you know, until you're mathematically eliminated, mathematically, no, realistically, I, I, I would say yes. So especially with if you if, if Portland doesn't get it turned around in these four home games, it's going to be really tough to see them having to, you know, start their stride on the road, which they've struggled mightily. I mean, they have, they have a six-game road trip against Denver. Then they have to fly cross-country to play the Wizards, the Magic, the Heat, the Celtics, and the Raptors. That is a very difficult six-game and 10-day road trip. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, this is where Portland was supposed to make their, make their move. What was this huge home stretch of, of games? Had they done it there? I think you could say, yeah, that there, there is still a chance that they haven't. So I think on paper, we're better than those years. I think Norman Powell is far better as a player than uh, Maurice Harkless and Al Farouk Amino. But I think with that roster of the, the previous years, we were far less exploitable. You can potentially put CJ on the guy sitting in the corner. With what we are and how one-sided we are, we're so exploitable by teams. So smart teams are going to exploit our weak, our glaring weaknesses. So even if we were trying our damnedest, size is just going to be such a factor in defense. Like it, it, it there's a chance, but it's such a slim chance. Like and, and for me. You know, I, I try to look for the for the bright side. A, a loss to me is, is is a victory because if you think about it, how are you going to feel? And I think this is a good exercise for for any fan. How are you going to feel in July when the draft comes? Are you going to feel stoked if Portland's picking in the top four, maybe the top the first overall pick for just that that breath of fresh air? Or, I would take or, top six. Just or give me are a- you going to be like? oh, well, we just lost in the first round again. We don't have a pick again in the draft. How are we going to get better? It's going to be it's going to be the same song and dance. So uh, as, as hard as it may be, sometimes you, you have to you have to you have to, you know, get get through the mud to 
mm-hmm. to see that, that that view. And I think that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're hiking right now and it's really muddy. It's uphill, it's raining, but there's there's that beautiful view in, in the vantage, in the distance. Hopefully Portland continues on that path because it, it will be worth it. There are game-changing players in this draft. You just look the past two years. Anthony Edwards is changing the culture in Minnesota. LaMelo Ball is changing the culture in Charlotte. Evan Mobley is changing the culture in Cleveland of all places. Do you Cleveland. think he deserves an all-star bid? Yes. Yeah. He he could be the defensive player of the year as a rookie. I love him so much. He is a game changer. Mm-hmm. With without him, Cleveland, you know, that's just another. They're not getting players to sign there. Like, it, did you see? Do you remember how done Kevin Love was with this team yeah. a few years ago? And he's now a contributing member of Double the team. Doubles. Yeah. What do you know? Like the the success of Evan Mobley gives GMs hope. The big man is back. I think Evan Mobley is so good that he could play power forward with Jared Allen. Like he could, he should, he could play the center. He can also play the four. Like that, that player in this draft is really plentiful. Did There's you see a lot that of guys. up and under reverse he had. He's bro. You knew my love for. Remember, I was the one saying Evan Mobley better than uh, Jalen Green. You did, yeah. That was my. It, it was such a nice move that Kuzma dapped him up. Mm-hmm. On on the way down the floor, the NBA, because of that move, went back and looked at the the nine best like reversed layups in history. Two Blazers made the list. Dame had one circa 16-17 against Minnesota on the road. Just a crazy where he went left to right. And then my favorite was in 90-91. It was like the third game of the year. Uh, the Blazers won in overtime in, in Los Angeles in the forum. Drexler went baseline just hung in the air for what seemed like minutes and then just flicked it up behind his head off the backboard. And the, the magnificent chick Hearn was on the call. And just like, I, I saw that video. I watched it like 10 straight times on my phone. Like they, they made a skybox card out of that, that pose. Like that's one of my favorite pictures, favorite moves. So they need to top, they need to NFT it. They, yeah. So like, that's kind of what, I'm looking for with the season is like, okay, who's going to bring back these nostalgic moments that I can, that I can remember. Like I'm still a blazer fan. I'm still going to enjoy the, the old teams that we had. Like I want to get back to that. Like the, honestly, the first thing I thought about when the, the clock turned to 2022, I was like, okay, now it's been 30 years since the blazers have made the NBA finals 30 years stage how many franchises have had a longer drought than the Blazers as, as a making a finals appearance? Mm. I, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Not many. I, it's been, we've had successes, but we haven't had great successes. So maybe like 10 teams. So I won't count. You can't say the Hornets, both Hornets teams. I can't say Memphis slash Vancouver. Yeah. I can't say the the New Orleans uh, Pelicans. The Charlotte Hornets, I will count because they were a franchise in the late 80s. I'll, I'll count uh, Minnesota. Um, but I believe the, the number is very low. Like looking down um, Brooklyn slash New Jersey.
Atlanta was in the 60s the last time they made it. That's just in the East. I mean, every other team has has made it. Denver, the Clippers, Sacramento. Some really poopy teams. Seven teams really have had, I mean, we're in the, like, it's been a long time for us. Like, that's why I am like, okay, if we need to, what, what do we have to do to get back there? That's what I want. Like, those were my formative years as a Blazer fan when we were elite. Like, you expected to go to the finals or contend for the finals every year. And it really bums me out that there are a lot of fans who haven't even seen Portland sniff a contention. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were born even in 2000, which you wouldn't be able to really uh, take in, like you're 22, you're, you're a college senior right now. College seniors have not really seen Portland contend for a championship. <laughs> so like my age, people in my age bracket haven't seen it. I mean, yes, you, you've seen one. I, I would give the 2000 Blazers a shot. Like, but so, one. We've had, when's the last time we had a really elite team? 2000. God damn. So that's like a, that's that person that potentially has kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So if you did a re, I, I, completely off topic, if you did a draft re, uh, a redraft, would it be Evan, Cade, and Scotty? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so this was a conversation I saw on the internet. Would you, if you did a redraft two different years, but who would you, would you rather build a team around? Uh, Jalen Green or uh, Cole Anthony? Mm. Because you have the potential of uh, Jalen, but Cade, I mean, uh, Cole's very good now. And he's like only six months older. Who would you rather build around? This is so off topic, but I don't care. I still would err on the side of potential and size and, and roll the dice with Jalen Green. Close though. But Cole it's close. Very- yeah. I mean, Cole Anthony makes Orlando a competent team when he's. And he was a late lottery pick. So you can't. We could have had him easily. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and. I- uh, my guy Sadiq Bay just hit a game winner yesterday Bro, too. Oh, you know? no! Don't you dare talk to me about the goddamn Detroit Pistons. <laughs> Fucking Christ! All right, I'm. A, I made a stand yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Okay, there's no reason that uh, Hamadou Diallo, who has was not a fucking person in the rotation ever, and. Uh, your goddamn boy, Sadiq Bay, deserved to be higher price point than uh, I think it was like uh, Devin Booker in Daily Fantasy. I am not playing them. I took that stand, and then Sadiq Bay and Hamadou Diallo got like 70 points, and I only cashed one lineup. So I lost $46. On my stand of no Detroit Pistons, other than Derek Walton and uh, and uh, shoot Luke Garza, I hate the Detroit Pistons. I lost <laughs> so much fucking money on that one. <laughs> All right, before we wrap this episode up, Sage, the let's talk quickly 
um, because we really don't know who's going to be playing. But let's talk quickly about Portland's upcoming homestand. There will be four games before we record next. It is the last of that 15 of 19 at home. Atlanta on the third, Miami on the fifth, Cleveland on the seventh, and the Kings on the ninth. Quickly, let's talk about the Hawks. They do get Trey Young back. Uh, Casey mentioned no Nurk, or Nurk and Zeller are both still doubtful. Damian, CJ, Brandon Williams, Cameron McGriff are out. So it's going to be tough for Portland to handle a player like Trey Young. And Clint Capella. And Clint Capella, without (laughs) much offensive firepower. I mean, Is John Collins playing? Basketball reference still has John Collins in the protocols. He went out on December 26th, so he could be close. That's about the eight-day mark. So, But I I, I feel like Clint Capella is just going to get 20 and 20 against us, right? I mean, basically, if you just want a carbon copy of what the Utah Jazz did with with, Rudy Gobert dominating the the inside of that game with with no bigs, it's just such a tough ask for Larry Nance. That pick and roll is going to be just – devastating if they force that switch it's it's norman powell on clint capella in a post-up situation that's gonna be disgusting is on playing he is not listed on the injury report oh cool that's my guy um i mean like i how are we gonna get rebounds against clint capella and nanyaka kanwu and gorgie dang I think he's fine, but like this could be a really this is a carbon copy of the uh, the Utah game, except Atlanta's a worse defensive team, so we might score more. But who who's the who's our leader in usage? It, it would be Ant and Norman. Yeah. So wouldn't they put uh, Hunter on one of them to shut them down quite a bit because he's a good defender, and then just play good team defense and not let the the random Yahoos on our team score. DeAndre's out. Oh, he is? He's been out for eight weeks. Damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, Cam Reddish was the guy. Yep. Yeah, he uh he helped me win some money. But yeah. Oh man. I feel like Trey Young and Clint Capella are just gonna dominate for every second that they're in. If they're playing. Because that, you know, shit happens. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's out of the four games this week. Is Cleveland the most exciting to you, or is it uh, uh, Atlanta? Cleveland. Evan Mobley's going to destroy Cleveland. us. Cleveland. Yeah, Evan Mobley's going to destroy us, bro. Uh, up next is Miami. They are dealing with a lot of players in the protocols. Bam Adebayo is injured, been injured for, for quite some time. Uh, with a thumb injury, he mm-hmm. was injured back early December, so he's still out probably for another week or two. But they played tonight in Sacramento, losing one fifteen to one thirteen. They still had Lowry, still had Hero, still had Jimmy Butler. But is it Yurt Seven starting or uh, Dwayne Dedman? Yurt Seven and one of the Martin brothers is starting. Yep, and they so. brought back Mario Chalmers for for old times' sake. So, um. They're Miami, dealing with a lot of shit, too. Miami is a team that you don't want to try and get right against them. Not with that culture, not against Eric Spolstra. I mean, they are 23 and 14, above 500 record on the road. Just it doesn't matter who Eric Spolstra has out there. It could be five fifth graders. He just finds a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. 
and with this much injury slash COVID on his team, I mean, how are we stopping Jimmy Butler? Again, Jimmy Butler, like he's a player that's like, we're not fucking losing. He's going to have every shot. Like he can have every shot that he wants against this team. Like who Norman is Norman, our best chance, or you're going to have to put Norman on him or Nasir. And that's a lot of pressure to put on Nasir little yes. going against Jimmy Butler with unlimited uses. Good bam out of Bayou's out. And your seven's going to dominate. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> He went from out of the rotation to a starter getting like massive amounts of rebounds. On Friday, the Blazers take on the surprising Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Cavaliers are 21 and 16, fifth in the Eastern Conference, 10 and 8 on the road. They do have uh, some really tough injuries. Ricky Rubio, uh, right before the new year hit, suffered a torn ACL. He's going to be out for the year. They did make the move to add Rajon Rondo, but he has been in the, the code protocol. protocol since the 26th. Uh, Colin Sexton is going to miss the rest of the regular season. And Darius Garland, the second-year stud, also at guard, is out for health and safety protocols. He could be back by that time. Uh, again, he went in the protocol on 28th. Portland plays them on the seventh. That's 10 days. He probably will be back, Uh, but they still were able to defeat the Indiana Pacers tonight by four points, 108 to 104 at home. Uh, They still have Lowry market and still have a lottery pick from last year. Isaac Okoro. They still have size in Jared Allen. They still have uh, Evan Mobley. Still have Kevin Love. Um, Who's Pangos? Pangos is their starting guard. Boom. I went really heavy pangos a few days ago and it actually worked out for me. Um, I I don't know how Portland's going to handle that, that size. We didn't handle that size when we were fully healthy, man. I mean, they've got Coro at the two marketing at the three Mobley and then Allen. And that, that is a lot of size. Even if Kevin Love off the bench, even if, yeah, even if Nurkic is back, Zeller's probably out for the foreseeable future. I would assume. And Chauncey Phillips doesn't send help. No. So could you imagine Evan Mobley with unlimited dribbles in the post? I mean, I, I just, if I was the Cavalier coach, I would let him play free safety and whether it's Ant or Dame or whoever, just go in and, and cause havoc, like almost like a Draymond Green. Like I think he has that length, that range it's going to be really hard for Portland to figure out what they want to do offensively, especially if they're having to shuffle in these 10 day contracts Mm -hmm. when, you know, defense, defense carries defense travels over Um, offense. It's going to be tough for Portland. So, I mean, even with how many injuries they have, the players they have available just hurt Portland in, in in the, in the areas of weakness. So I have a question for you. Do you think Rondo is a good basketball player in this point of his career? Do you think that he is a positive or a negative? Mm. We're not talking about Boston Celtics. Magical. No, no, we're not. Yeah. This is, this is an old man Rondo. Do you think that he is good? I think there were better options yeah. for Cleveland. I think the playoff Rondo narrative died when he went to, I think the Clippers, they gave up. I was going to say the Pelicans, man, but 
I mean, I think it's the playoff run of narrative has been two years to two gone. So mm-hmm. I, I don't love that move for them, but Hey, w- whatever they have working in Cleveland is, is working. So JB's um, done a really good job. Reportedly he's excited to go there. So I, I, it's just like, people have a difficult time with like Rondo like he was so magical when he was good. It's just been such a long time for uh, him to be good. That said, if he's, he's playing been the league against since six, like he has been in the league a long time. Like he could dominate us though. Let's say Dame's out. He dominates us. I think the scariest game of the week is the Sacramento Kings, a team that is two and oh already against Portland this year. It's a team that if you're hoping to stay in the lottery, you need to watch the Kings and hope they continue to win. Um, They are at 16 and 22. We're at 13 and 22. They've played uh, three more games, but have three more dubs. Um, Again, a team that just beat the Miami Heat. They have, I would say, a a decent uh, core of their players available. You still have Fox and Halliburton as the guards, Bagley Barnes and Damon Jones. I know Rashawn Holmes just went into the protocol, but – um, he should be back with that game. Uh, being... And Terrence Davis. Yes. So do you think that Halliburton's finally – De'Aaron Fox's stats are significantly down every – like in every aspect of the game. Do you think it's finally time for them to say that De'Aaron Fox isn't a max player and they should focus on uh, Halliburton and his skill set to build around for the future? Well, shit, they also have Davion Mitchell, too, another point guard that they drafted small. showed a lot of promise. It reminds me of the Phoenix Suns when they had that, that season, I think in 13-14, they had Eric Bledsoe and Goran Dragic, and then the following year they signed Isaiah Thomas from, from the Sacramento Kings, and they came in with a three-point guard roster, like three point guards that really needed the ball, and it kind of collapsed on them, and Phoenix – was one of those teams that tried to get too good too quick. Like they tried to jump the line and it didn't work out. I I think I see a similar scenario happening in in Sacramento that you can't have your three best players all need the ball. Six, three or under. Yeah. And all play point guard. Like I don't love either of them off the ball. Fox came into the league in 2017 he's still not an all-star so by that measure i think he's being overpaid and he's going to continuously want these raises where yeah he got that max extension but if i'm sacramento yeah like i i see what i have in tyrese and see what i have in in davion mitchell and see if you can balance that roster out like fox is a nice player he can't be your best player and that's what he is right now for, for the Kings. I think the Kings need to find somebody who can help them on the wing, help them up front. Uh, Halliburton's what happens a nice... when De- De'Aaron gets slow? What's that? What happens when De'Aaron loses athleticism? Yeah, he, that, that speed, that quickness. I mean, you look at he's, John he Wall. He might be the fastest look, look player at John in the Wall. Yeah. And he's not at John Wall's peak when John Wall was peaking. He's not there. Yeah, it's, it's tough for the Kings because I get it. De'Aaron's good, but... When you watch De'Aaron Fox, you know there's glaring weaknesses in his game. Like, 
he can get to whatever spot he wants, but is he going to make the right play once he gets there? That's the question mark. The shooting's a question mark. If I was Sacramento, I would focus on Halliburton because he's really, really smart and really, really good. But that being said, I think De'Aaron Fox will absolutely kill us. And it's my buddy healed off the bench. Yeah. Whoever, yeah. Yeah. So that 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 team is, is someone to to watch out for. If they can just string together some consistency, like they've their offense is going to run run better than ours. Yeah. I mean, Alvin Gentry is a much they have better. more NBA bodies, NBA player, NBA mm-hmm. caliber players on that roster right now. I mean, Alvin Gentry will never have a bad offense. Like he just knows too much about offense. I mean, bad defense for sure, but like really good offense. So I I think that this is going to be a very high paced, a lot of scoring, but like when it's time to play defense, I I might go with Sacramento just because they have more healthy, better bodies. They've got shooters on. We saw opening night, Harrison Barnes have that career night because we didn't buddy do really well against us in the game too. uh, I think buddy had a good game on Sacramento. Oh, but yeah, it was Barnes after three i mean big three after big three and it's just we left them yeah. you know so yeah, we're, yeah. I, I mean if you were a betting man would you go 0 for four or do you think we somehow get one no i i would not bet especially in the COVID era just because you don't know what's going to happen if I, you I do want to bet check out our holybackboard.com where i talk about winning or getting sixth place in a big tournament I think it's different when you're talking about daily fantasy for individual statistics, but in terms of is this team going to cover the spread or the over under? I think I, I wouldn't touch that with with the 10 foot pole. Like, like you just, you don't know what, like the Clippers without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard had a massive comeback in Brooklyn and stunned the Nets. They scored 70 points in the second half. Like sports are played not on paper, but on the court for a reason. And so for, for that, I, I don't know. That's why I haven't been given predictions this year. I, I thought this season was going to be wacky. And then it took a huge turn with all of the, the health and safety protocols. So nothing would really shock me, Sage. So one tip for people that want to get into betting, and then we can wrap it up. If you see that a COVID has taken out a player, let's say the New York Knicks a few games ago, Julius Randle was – in the COVID protocol, bet the other team aggressively and then do player props on RJ Barrett and uh, Evan Fournier. That's how you make money in COVID. You pay attention and then you hope to God that the bookmaker is taking a pee right then and there. You lock in the good prop and boom, you're making money. <laughs> Honestly, it, I, you, you just looked at me like, oh, that's pretty smart. Thanks, buddy. But yeah. uh, a little too much work for me, but it was smart. <laughs> oh, I like when I see that, I'm like, nice. <laughs> Not right, for so their we... sickness, but for extra usage for other players and prop markets yeah. are bad. Anyway, let, let our listeners know where they can find us and let's wrap this bad boy up. We probably should never take a break again because we have recorded for a very long time. You can find us on holy backboard you can find us on every app that has it just search holy backboard even on spotify now even on spotify and you can check out our blog for all the for the writing that i do for betting and stuff and you can see the transcribed episodes 
on holybackboard.com. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio. And we are out of here. More draft content on the way. Be on the oh, lookout. Hells yes. Be on the lookout for future Fridays. All right. Love y'all. We out of here. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!